You are now tuned in to the Bring in the Heat podcast. In this episode, combining remediation remedies at a high groundwater flow site in France. And now, it's time for your host, Gorm Heron, CTO of TRS Group, to bring the heat. I'm so happy to have two very fine guests today with Hank Bowden and Marco van den Brand. And um, we are going to talk about trying to do thermal remediation at sites where the groundwater is flowing relatively fast. Um, what do we do about that? Um, before we introduce the two panelists, I just want to give you a little bit of a little bit of background um, in in the world of geology. Of course, you have you have um, formations that are super tight with no water flow at all, fractured rock or rock without fractures. You can kind of rank it from very very low permeability to high permeability gravel. Which, um, it has a lot of water flow if there's a gradient, sand, silt, clay. So in terms of permeability, you can have it on a range like this. You can also estimate how fast water flows in different formations, depending on, on the gradient. If you have the same gradient, let's say it's 1% that the water table has a gradient of one, roughly these are flow velocities. So uh, in some sites, it can flow as much as, this is 30 meters per day. You can imagine how much water that is. You can run across a football field in, in two days, the water, that's how fast it can move if you have a gravelly aquifer. Other sites that are more typical with sand, maybe the water is moving one meter in a week or something like that. So you can imagine if you're trying to heat a site to the boiling point of water, for instance, it matters whether the water can move across the site in one day or one month or one year or not at all, because as that water does so, it will cool or move water or, or heat uh, from the zone. And with that in mind, we use different thermal technologies. For the high permeability zones where water is moving very readily, steam can be injected and steam enhanced extraction is typically a favorable solution for that. Um, if you have very tight material <clears throat> and there's not much water, thermal conduction heating has been used very effectively in crystalline rock, for instance, and, and also when there is some water flow. Um, in between those two kind of extremes, there is electrical resistance heating, which can also heat as long as there's water, you can get heat and, and you can accept a little more water flow and still get enough power in because when it's nice and wet, it's also easy to inject electrical um, energy. So we pick the, uh, the thermal solutions based on the site conditions. Sometimes we combine them. Sometimes we have ERH in the top or TCH at the top and steam at the bottom. Just depends on, on the layer. What we'll hear about today is an electrical resistance heating application where the water was known to flow very fast and where Marco and Hank dealt with that issue in a in a quite different way than than you're used to but it, but they combined remedies so before we get into that I would love to ask Hank and Marco first Hank to introduce yourself tell us a little bit about you and your company and and how you got involved in this piece. <clears throat> My name is Henk Boden. Uh, I work for Kalwik in, in our company. I'm responsible uh, for remediation. Uh, 
innovation projects and Marco. Yes, I'm uh, Marco van der Brand. I'm uh, managing director of HMVT and also uh, for TRS Europe. And uh, HVT is uh, an in-situ mediation uh, expert company, uh, so to say, based in the Netherlands as well as in Belgium. But we do projects all over Europe uh, and uh, all kinds of in-situ mediation technologies, uh, the classical ones, but of course also with uh, TRS Europe uh, in-situ thermal uh, remediation. And myself, I work uh, now for over 25 years in the in-situ uh, remediation business. Very good, thank you. And Henk, um, if I may start by asking you about the site, where is it located and how, how what happened at the site that we're going to talk about, please? Of course, um, the, the site we, we're talking about is, is uh, located in France, uh, in, the, in the very beautiful town uh, Barbaray Saint-Sulpice, as it's called. Um, Caldic uh, acquired a number of sites in France, and, and uh, this site was, was one of them. At that time, it was already closed, so there were no activities anymore. We were aware of, of, of some contamination on site, and, and uh, by that, uh, also well, well aware that we had to do a remediation on site. Okay. Um, Marco, would you mind? explaining um, a little bit about the site, the conceptual model. Yes, I'll uh, do my best, uh, Gorm. Uh, sorry for my Dutch uh, accent here in the English. I hope I do well. <laughs> um, so the, as you can see, uh, as, uh, as, as Henk explained, the site is uh, located in the north of France in the Champagne region, close to the little village of, uh, of Barbary uh, and close uh, to the city of Troyes. Um, the, the site is also very close to the river uh, Seine, which uh, eventually uh, runs into uh, Paris. <clears throat> um, and the, the, the groundwater is, let's say, flowing uh, downhill in, in the valley of the, the river um, and also uh, passing uh, the, the Caldic site. Um, and as such, the, the pollution that was present at the site of, uh, of Caldic uh, was also flowing towards the river of uh, the Seine. If you look at uh, the subsurface, it's, uh, I would say the, the first, let's say five meters is uh, uh, clay tilt, I think you say in English. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and then um, below five meters, it's getting more and more chalky, chalk. Um, and then, you know, it becomes like, if you look at, uh, or think of uh, the white cliffs of Dover, that kind of stuff, so to say. So clay on top and, uh, and chalk uh, more in the deeper treatment zone. Mm -hmm. um, the water flow was about 10 meters a day, uh, especially in the, in the deeper uh, layers of the treatment zone. So very, very fast flowing, as you could have uh, nicely explained, uh, Gorm. <laughs> so, yeah. so if you... If you treat a site and it takes, let's say, four months, 120 days, it could run more than a kilometer. The water can move more than a kilometer. So that's pretty obvious that if we don't do something about that, the site will probably never get hot, no matter how much power you, you put in the ground, right? Sure. Yeah. 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 So we, we uh, investigated very uh, thoroughly how to uh, prevent uh, uh, hot water flowing away, so to say. Yeah. yeah, we forgot it. 
to tell anyone what was the contamination at the site? Ah, sorry, that was my fault. Yes, the site uh, is of was uh, polluted uh, very heavily uh, with chlorinated solvents, um, estimated to be uh, 6.5 tons of fluorinated solvents, um, and especially uh, mainly PCE. Um, as I said, uh, uh, on the site itself, there was a real hotspot with Dean Apple. Um, and um, uh, the pollution was present from uh, groundwater level, which was about 4.5 meters uh, below surface, towards uh, circa uh, 12, 15 meters uh, below surface. Yeah. And the total treatment volume we treated eventually was about 9,000 cubic. Uh, soil concentrations, maximum concentrations went up to uh, 1500 milligram per kilogram dry rate. In here, yeah. Yeah, so that's obviously denapple present for if it's PCE and you have that much, depth, there is denapple in, in the soil. Yeah. yeah. Yes, correct. So it's a real source area. Yeah. Hank, um, would you mind telling us about the treatment objectives? Yes, and I know. Of course, here on, on, on the picture, you see already uh, uh, our big concern. Uh, the plume was, was under the village, uh, under the houses. And uh, at that time, already also starting gas coming into several houses. So our biggest concern was, was the health of the people in the village. And uh, for that, we wanted to take away the source as, as, as quick as possible. That was our main objective. Mm -hmm. And what are the what are the indoor vapor issues? Of course, it's PCE. Uh, the, the hazard risks are unknown, carcinogenic. Uh, so uh, we we had to install in at several houses uh, a vapor control uh, mm. system, uh, yeah. ventilation system. Okay, and of course that's something you would like to stop as as soon as as possible by. By making this plume much much smaller and, and less strong, I would I would assume. All right, um, Marco, would you mind explaining the, the the options for treatment that was considered? Yes. So the original solution, uh, let's start with that, was uh, to take out an oil spot of the site of Caldic, uh, and also uh, to start a soil vapor extraction system in the unsaturated zone. Uh, so that's also, also how, how I uh, learned to know, uh, uh, how I, I, I got to know the site, because uh, as HGVT we took care of those two, uh, two issues. And then the um, next step for Caldic was also to, to treat the groundwater, below the groundwater level. Um, and uh, the initial idea was to install, um, let's say, uh, a never-ending hydraulical barrier um, and to contain the, the, the hotspot uh, on, on their own side, so to say, so that it did not spread anymore underneath the village and towards the river. And um, the idea was to pump 85 cubic meters an hour to treat that water and to re-infiltrate again. And uh, at that point, um, uh, because I, I got to learn uh, to, to know the site, uh, we, we got in touch and discussed with Hank, hey, perhaps there is a more smarter solution, so to say, for the groundwater. Um, and then we came up with, uh, yeah, why not take out the source zone 
and um, do it in such a way that there is no leakage anymore towards the plume in the future. Uh, and then ERH was uh, selected. But isn't ERH always more expensive than pump and treat? Maybe I should ask Hank that question. Yes. Um, well, uh, when, when we, we started to look at the remediation, uh, as I just told you, our biggest concern was, was the, the total time. And when you start with the pump and treat system, uh, you know you are busy for, for 20, 25 years or even more. And then also taking into account uh, the number of costs, uh, you will get a huge uh, amount of money. And uh, when, well, calculating the cost of, of ERH, uh, well, it turned out to be much cheaper. And also then in, in two months, you were ready. And that was our, our, our goal. Uh, we wanted to be uh, to remove the, the, the source zone as, as quick as possible. So the, the pump and treat system is cheaper to install, right? But the, the problem is it, you can never turn it off. So the costs keep going up. Is that right? That is that is correct. Uh, you you have some some direct costs, of course, that are much higher. Uh, but uh, when you take the, the, the total uh, of of the remediation, uh, ERH is cheaper. And Marco, I'm sorry, I I would just want to go back to the design. If you don't mind explaining the the ERH design, then. Yeah, I will do that. Uh, I, I might like to add that I think also benefit for Kaldik uh, and Hank was that. Uh, the site was was already abandoned. Uh, it's now remediated, so to say, and it's also now more suitable for redevelopment uh, as well. Mm -hmm. But anyway, um, uh, the ERH design, uh, yes, um, we well, it was um, very flexible, so to say, because when we start looking at the site, we uh, knew there was a hot spot uh, with Dean Apple, uh, but the the complete delineation of the the Dean Apple was not not good yet, so to say. So we started uh, with our first uh, design uh, with a 400 square meter uh, treatment zone area, so to say. But we also said uh, to the consultant uh, Antea Group as uh, as well as Caldic, uh, please please do some extra delineation because we are not sure if we treat the complete Dean Apple uh, zone and 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 that's one of the things you need to do otherwise you still end up with a plume. Eh? Um, mm -hmm. And then in a in a in a few months time um, the delineation was done um, and we installed well started to, to install uh, electrodes. Uh, but also during the installment of the electrodes, we took also soil and groundwater samples to double check the delineation. Mm -hmm. um, and um, that was a very wise thing to do because during installment, we found out we also had to go a little bit further towards the railroad track. In the end, we, uh, we end up with a, with a treatment zone of about uh, 1100 square meters and one deeper hotspot uh, in the middle. Let's talk about the hydraulic control system. You know, essentially the topic is here, how, how to slow down the groundwater, right? So that thermal yeah. can, can be effective, if you don't mind. Yeah, yeah sure. Um, actually, uh, the modeling of this was done by, uh, by Antea Group, the, uh, the consultant uh, of the project. Um, and basically uh, the design was such that uh, four extraction wells were installed, uh, not, not really, uh, upstream of the source zone, but uh, a bit to the side. The groundwater was extracted over over there and then infiltrated uh, downstream of the 
treatment zone with a, a drain system, so to say, a shallow drain system that was installed. Um, and the extracted flow rate um, started with 25 cubic meters an hour. Uh, and before infiltration, the, the, the groundwater was, was cleaned as well by uh, activated carbon. Um, so, and that worked quite well. Uh, um, we did, of course, measurements to see if the groundwater flow rate stopped and it seemed all okay when we started with the EOH. <laughs> yeah. I think a thermal remediation project goes on 24 seven uh, and it is very important that it will keep running, so to say. So we uh, check uh, uh, yeah, all the time if, if, if it goes well and uh, according to plan. Thank you so much. Um, into the results, if you don't mind, um, starting with uh, the temperatures that, that were achieved. Yes, sure. Um, of course, uh, in situ thermal uh, treatment is all about uh, achieving the right temperature level. And in our case, it's towards uh, yeah, boiling temperatures of water, of course. But somewhere in uh, spring, I think, 2017, this uh, started. Uh, once we once we um, start, you can see the temperature rising in the different um, uh, sensors we have installed to monitor, and that goes up uh, about 1.5 to cent uh, degrees per day, and and then um, eventually we want to reach uh, boiling temperatures. So for this side, the average temperature we achieved was about uh, 105 degrees centigrade. Um, and in total, we heated about four months. Uh, uh, yeah, in total, during the project, we we uh, did have some problems with the hydro hydraulic control. Um, so we had to adjust uh, uh, that system as well. Uh, but when eventually, we were able to uh, to succeed, so to say. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Explain uh, what what the trouble was with the hydraulic control, please? Yes. Um, what we did see during the project is that, especially in, uh, in some, let's say, shallow uh, temperature sensors, as well as some uh, deeper ones, uh, the temperature of shallow uh, um, sensors is staying behind. Then when you go deeper, it goes to boiling temperatures. And then in the deeper sensor, it's also not heating up quite well. Um, and what we uh, found out is that uh, probably um, we extracted groundwater, as you know, and we infiltrated water uh, shallowly, that the uh, infiltration of, of, let's say, cold uh, water uh, close to the treatment zone shallowly flowed back into the treatment zone. Um, so what we first did is to reduce the, the pumping rate of, of, of the, the barrier system from 28 to six cubic meters an hour. And then also the shallow temperatures uh, improved. Mm. Uh, next step, uh, we also saw that uh, the deep temperatures did not improve by doing so. Um, and um, what we did to uh, uh, overcome that problem was to install uh, two extra extraction wells uh, up, up, upstream of the treatment zone and two extra infiltration wells indeed uh, downstream of the treatment zone and to extract and infiltrate about five cubic 
meters of water extra, um, especially in the deeper layers. So these wells and inf infiltration wells did have deep screening um, because uh, groundwater was actually uh, still flowing too, too fast in the deeper zone, so to say, during the project. And once we did that, the problem was quite uh, quickly solved and temperatures uh, were uh, okay and uh, the project was completed, so to say, yeah. It's interesting, right, that really the best way of understanding where the water is flowing and, and whether it is a problem is actually to look at the temperatures. If you know you put in enough energy that it should get hot, but it doesn't, that's the best tracer you have is to look at the temperature probes uh, yeah. and not just have a few, but have many and have them over depth in a lot of discrete and <clears throat> you can find out these things. Yes. Awesome. Um, how much mass came out and, and how did, how do we, how did you know that it was time to turn it off um, at the end? <clears throat> now, of course, uh, first the temperature profile should be in, uh, <laughs> should be okay, so to say. Uh, but we took uh, groundwater samples uh, during the project. Um, also, um, we took soil samples during the project. But in the end, uh, we also took, of course, final soil and groundwater samples. Um, so, taking samples, that's how we check. We check temperature profiles, but we also checked what um, concentration levels do we have in our vapor stream, so to say. Um, so when we start, the, the infant concentrations, of course, are low, but uh, during the project, when it starts to heating up, um, Mars is evaporated and we, we see it in our infrared, uh, and that, that goes to a peak and goes then back to uh, very low uh, concentration levels and that's also an indication that that everything is boiled out so to say yeah. mm -hmm. very good hank um did did it work and and what is the plume look what is the plume like today yes it, it's it, it really did work and and, and uh well the, the site now today is again uh, full with green grass uh, again um, but, but of course, uh, I think you you mean uh, the pollution. Well, um, <clears throat> it, it, well, we removed the source. There was no rebound. Uh, uh, today, on, under most houses, it's reduced less than than five hundred micrograms per liter, where it was uh, one hundred thousand or more uh, before we started. So uh, and, uh, tremendous uh, uh, good result, and and that in less than four years. Uh, so uh, and then even the situation is now better than than the, the ground model estimations uh, uh, showed, uh, which were made before we started. And then uh, well, one, maybe one remark uh, as Marco mentioned already. Well, the, the, the site is again uh, ready for industrial use again. So uh, activities can be started. Um, well, at that time in, in 2017, uh, also for the French authorities, uh, ERH was, 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 was a pretty new technique. And uh, well, when we after four months uh, went to the town hall and just told them we are ready, well, there was some, some unbelief and, and they were a little reserved. 
so they, they waited with the permission to stop the barrier. And then that took uh, more than a year. And then uh, after that year, also the barrier was stopped. Thank you so much. What I've learned uh, from Hank, because we stayed in touch, of course, on this side, is that uh, a year or so later, concentrations already dropped towards a couple of thousand. And that still continues. Uh, and as you see, uh, uh, they are going further down uh, over time as well. Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much, Hank and Marco. And we will be back in, in a month or two. Thank you. Thank you, Gorm. <laughs>